You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, Footballology majors, to another edition of the Star Seminar. As always, I am joined by my host, Dr. Danny Phantom. This is yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. We are the men who put endowed in endowed chair and we're happy to bring you this edition of the star seminar how are you today doctor i tell you rabs i'm a little tired because my wife kept me up last night watching tv and you know she's you know we we, we get along about the majority of, of most things but i'll tell you what, what if there's one thing we don't it's that we argue over what we're going to watch and last night um she won but I'll tell you what, I did get to win a, l- a little bit because I watched the beginning of one of my favorite movies, and it was, it was the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And um, I don't know about you, but like, I just wanted to watch the beginning, and it, it, I, it reminded me of like when I first watched that movie. It's like when you see that opening scene and everything that's happening, you know, in the cave and all that, and all the action stuff that happens there. You just knew it was going to be a great movie, and. And it was to me. I, I love that movie. Um, one of my favorite movies for sure. And all I wanted to do was watch the beginning. And, and when I that was over, I let her have it. And she just thought I was some weirdo for just wanting to watch the beginning of that movie. But I wanted to ask you, has there ever been a movie, a beginning, an opening from a movie that, where, that you watched where you're like, oh, this movie is going to be really good? So last week it was Tony Talbert. This week it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. My Are you friend. kidding so, me? Yeah. So you asked me ahead oh, of time, just in, in the interest of transparency and full disclosure to all our listeners, you asked me ahead of time about this. And the first movie that leapt to mind that was the prohibitive favorite there was Raiders of the Lost Ark because that opening scene is a doozy. And then of course he gets outside, and Balak is there, and then he bails, and all all all, all the all the like the, all the sort of like Amazonians are following him, and he and he and he, and he hightails it to the to the uh to like the propeller plane where the dude's fishing it's it's, it's just awesome yeah it's, awesome. It it's a great it's a it's a great sequence and frankly that movie is just a series of of incredibly well choreographed set pieces i will say this the second indiana jones movie is not a great movie the temple of doom it's not a great movie but that first scene in the shanghai bar with kate capshaw mm-hmm. is a tour de force it's uh, incredibly well choreographed it's really really a, a good thing a good piece as well and then i think the movie kind of flags a little bit but when i saw that first scene i thought oh my god this one's going to be even better than the first one yeah it turned out not to be right. and i think in part, in part because kate capshaw is no karen allen but um but i would say i will say that uh that both of those i mean spielberg is 
awfully, awfully good. And uh, and I think in both of those, he just you know he gets us going with a bang in, right. in both of those. So so yeah, I mean once again, my friend, you and I are are on the same page here. I think that that's a great example of a movie that just sort of sets the tone early and just keeps rocking until it's done. Yeah, that's. I guess we're gonna have to have some pre-production discussions about and, and step, you know, get our get our uh, stories, you know, lined up to where we're not having the duplicates mm-hmm. all the time. But that's that's crazy that you. Uh, of course, we're, yeah, Raiders is such a great movie too. But I, I know I'll tell you this: something we're not lined on. I know you're not a big Tarantino fan, but another movie I will say, and the movie itself is, I think, it's fine, not great, but but um, one of the most intense opening scenes. Is from Inglorious Bastards. I don't know if you remember mm, the scene mm-hmm. there. That that opening scene there uh, was with Christopher Waltz, I believe. That mm-hmm. was that was intense, and I and, and I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm not putting, you know, I'm not, I'm not stopping watching this thing. This is going to be, you know, incredible. And um, but yeah, I just so I, I really love movies with opening great openings. There's so many movies these days where it's like, oh well, you know, it's pretty good, but it's it's got it's a, it's a slow start. It's like who wants to watch that? Nobody. It's like just give me something that pops right out of the gate, and uh, definitely um, Spielberg movies definitely do that. So a great mm-hmm. movie for sure. But Rabs, what? Why don't you tell everybody what we got lined up for today? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Speaking of great, uh, so today we're going to do a little review of the final four teams that are in, uh, or were rather, in the uh, respective AFC and NFC Championship games. Because what we really want to do is kind of ask the question, what do they got that we ain't got? I think as a way to think about, okay, we, we know we want our team to be there. What do we need to do to get them there? So before we get into that, my friend, I would love to ask you, what do you think are the best three non-Cowboys teams, because obviously the Cowboys would be the top three, uh, non-Cowboys teams of the Super Bowl era? Yeah, so, oh, honestly, I know our answers aren't going to line on this one because I'm not one of my teams isn't even going to be a Super Bowl winner. That's uh, I'll start with that. But I'm gonna first off, I'm gonna throw the Bears out there just because everybody the Bears that that '85 Bears team was really good, and you know obviously the 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 defense was phenomenal. Uh, Just a long list of just great players there, but also the offense was pretty good. A lot, you know, a lot of people don't think of that, but they, they put up a lot of points. So, I mean, the Bears are up there. I don't know where I have them stacked, but um, another team I think is one of the best teams ever, and I, I don't like to admit it because I'm not a fan of this team by any means. And it used to be the, one of the teams I hated the most, but it's the 1989 49ers. Yeah, I was just, I'm actually just looking them up right now on Pro Football Reference. Yep, they're, they were incredible. Yeah, I mean, you had, of course, you had you know, Joe Montana, but also Steve, they had Steve Young, another, imagine having a Hall of Fame quarterback as, as your backup. So when uh, Montana missed some time that year, they didn't skip a beat. You know, they, Young was was great. Uh, just super talented, both sides of the ball. Jerry, they had Jerry Rice, John Taylor, they had Roger Craig. You know, and on defense, they're just, they were stacked with, so many good players, and Charles Haley, one of them, um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but they had, you know, obviously Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott, but they had, like, just so many Keena Turner, you know, uh, Romanowski, Eric Wright, lot, just a lot of, just so many good players. So, to me, I think that was one of the more balanced teams. And mm-hmm. um, and my last one, and I, like I said, these aren't in any particular order, is another balanced team, but it's actually going to be the 2007 
New England Patriots. And I know they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, but to me, you know, they, they, to me they were still hands down the, the best team in, in the league and one of the best teams we've seen. And I mean, they, they set some records. You know, that's when Brady had Randy Moss, but he also had Wes Welker. They had a slew of runners. I mean, Lawrence Maroney was on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Deion Branch, I think so. They're, they have just a lot of great players. Uh, and also, same thing with really good, you know, a well-rounded defensive team. Um, you know, I can't remember. I know Asante Samuel Sr. was one of them. Uh, just so, uh, Bruschi, I think, was, was a player on the team. I'm just trying to remember but just a lot just across the board so many good players so that i guess those those would be my top three uh and like i say in no particular order so what do you got rabs yeah i think those are those are the ones that leap out to me i will also add to this 2013 clc hawks that team was awfully good young team i mean honestly when i saw them play it was it was the one team that reminded me of like the 92 cowboys young brash fast incredibly fast uh, suffocating defense. You couldn't you couldn't run wide because they were so fast. You couldn't run up the middle because they were they they had you know they had really stout defensive tackles. Um, brutal running game with with uh, with Marshawn Lynch. Um, you know, obviously a very young quarterback uh, who made plays. A really interesting team. And honestly, I, I really think that that was a team that had the, had things broken a little bit differently. They could have they could have certainly won in 2014, but they could have won a couple you know a couple more. Yeah. In subsequent years as well. Um, just one of those things where they just everything came together and they and they they just absolutely dominated throughout the playoffs. One, one of the most dominant. Who, who was their defensive coordinator back then? You, you know, by oh, chance? I'm trying to think. I it might be a guy named Queen, maybe Queen Steve McQueen, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was McQueen. Maybe like it was that. McQueen. Yeah, something like that. Um, I think they're up there. And I, I will also say, like, I think it was like either the 75 or 76 Steelers who. Um, lost Terry Bradshaw for a while and just continued to win by like not their defense just simply didn't allow any any points. I mean they were incredible, incredible. They were and they were so physical and they were so hard to move the ball on. Um, yeah, good running game. They they hadn't really like Bradshaw and his receivers hadn't really developed a passing game that happened more like in '78 and '79 and and and, and further on, but. Boy, they were they were just the epitome of '70s football. Tough, physical team, really, really good team. And and, and oh, you know, I mean, it was it was a miracle when anybody beat them. So they were so good, so good. So those are the, I think the other ones are the ones you've named. I think you did a really good job of singling out the best teams. So I'll tell you what. Speaking of singling out best teams, let's let's uh, if you don't mind, let's transition to talk a little bit about the Final Four this year and how the Cowboys stack up. Okay, let's do it. All right, so. One of the things I think needs to be said about the Final Four this year is that uh, this is the first year, at least in a while, where I really feel like the best two teams in each conference made the conference championship. All right, so the conference championship game really featured. I mean, you could make an argument for Buffalo over Cincinnati, I suppose, but you know, I think the way that Cincinnati was playing the last—I mean, last couple, two or three months of the season—they were incredible. Uh, I think that you can make a strong argument they were a better team. They were playing better. They were they they. they uh, you know, we're on a, we're on a more of a roll. They're playing great at, you know, more like the, at their peak, et cetera. So this is a great, I think a great um, litmus test for us as Cowboy fans. If we compare our team to those teams and uh, because it was, I think it really was the four best teams. Clearly that's where we want to be. So 
let's talk about where we match up and where we fall short. So we're going to play a game called Jealous Much. What's the matter, a fellow? Jealous? How did George feel about that? Very jealous, very jealous. People laugh at you. People hate you. But why do they hate you? Because they are jealous. And the idea of this game is I'm going to uh, share some colors with you. And, and for those of you who, who are listeners, uh, I'm going to put these colors on, um, on Twitter as well so you can get a sense of what these colors are because some of them are, are names you might not be familiar with the actual color. So, uh, um, so you can have a sense of, uh, of what the actual color is. If you want to follow along, go ahead and, and find those colors on my Twitter page. I'll pin them. Um, so the colors are these. And so this goes from least jealous to most jealous. Okay. So the least jealous is mint. Okay. Which is, you know, which is obviously like a, you know, we know the color of the mint. Uh, the next least jealous is uh, is celadon, which is a kind of like grayish green. So it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a paley, it's a paley pastelly kind of green. And the next most jealous would be chartreuse, which is a much more yellowy green. It's a much brighter green. And then we're going to move on to shamrock, which is a, you know, a sort of medium green. It's, it's, it's within the kind of like, you know, balance of, of blue and yellow kind of family to make green. And then lastly, the darkest and most jealous is emerald green. Man, you so, are, you are really challenging us with our uh, color spectrum there, Rabs. Because uh... I am, I am. So I, I do want to, I do want to help people, and so just remind them that they can follow along. And uh, I'm just, just for you know, in the, in the interest of transparency here, I've shared uh, these colors on a, on the screen with with Danny, so he has a, a sense of of what they what they look like. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about each of the final four. We're going to break this down into three parts. We're going to talk about the owner, front office, head coach. So the sort of the sort of decision-making group first. Then we'll talk about the offense, including the offensive coordinator. Then we'll talk about the defense, including the defensive coordinator. And so what I want you to do is identify any area. And, and, you, and there, there, there can be areas you don't identify. That's fine. But I want you to identify any area where you feel jealous and then tell me how jealous you are from mint to emerald about that team in that particular area okay so let's Oof. let's start by talking about the decision making group and that includes three categories okay that's the owner the front office which is generally the gm but obviously the gm is playing you know is is playing along with both the owner and the the, the head coach and the coaching staff in many respects and in many um in many cities in the nfl and then of course the head coach right i think that's tends to be the kind of decision-making triumvirate, the people who develop philosophies, both in terms of offensive defense, but also in terms of um, talent acquisition, roster building, et cetera. So um, let's just start. We'll start uh, with the NFC, and then we'll go to the AFC this time. So uh, either Philadelphia or San Francisco, are you jealous of, of either of those franchises in terms of the owner, the front office, or the head coach? Uh, yes. I, I am a little bit jealous of it. So I'll start with like the easy one and I'm going to go with, I am, I'm going to, I am Shamrock Green Jealous of the 49ers head coach. Very nice. Okay, good, good. Because of extreme jealousy. Good. It's extreme. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not the, the, the absolute most, but I mean, I really love what, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan has done. Also too, when you look at the Niners, you keep they keep losing coordinators left and right, and they it doesn't face them. You know, I really thought that the Niners were going to be in trouble when they lost Mike McDaniel's. Um, mm -hmm. They were not. Uh, 
I, you know, they lost to what is a Robert Sala the year before or so. I mean, a couple of years before, you know, and of course they've lost to they're losing just lost to Miko Ryan mm-hmm. um, this season. So they're constantly. I mean, that to me that says a lot about you know what the coaching above you when you have all these coaches come up and they become so great and then they get head coaching nut jobs. So I think Kyle Shanahan for me is, um, you know. That's probably what I'm most jealous of in that group. Um, I will also say, too, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to actually go Emerald Green with the head coach. Oh, we're still, we're doing San Francisco, we're doing um, NFC, right? First, is that what Yeah, we're just doing? the NFC for okay. now, yeah. Are there, okay. any, are there any other things where, uh, with Philadelphia and San Francisco that you're that you're jealous well, of? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, I... I I don't know what to think of the Eagles coach right now because I, I, I mean, I, I loathe him, and I, to me, I think he's just a TBD. I'm not going to be critical if he's if he's a winning coach, then he's a winning coach. But I'm going to wait until I, I learn that. So there's no jealousy happening there. I'll just, I'll take my McCarthy over, over a coach like Sirianni for sure. Um, front office, and here's the problem I have with this. Um, I'm not, I'll tell you, I'm not slightly jealous of, of, of Philly's front office, too. I know they've done a fantastic... I'll, I'll give um, I'll give Howie Roseman his credit for the, the, how he able to, to flip Carson Wentz like he did. It's, it's pretty amazing to me. And, uh, and like I said, the, the Eagles are in the Super... They are in Super Bowl and, you know, second time since, you know, 2017. So they're... And, and, the, and with different teams different mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for sure they're doing good things there but i just don't like how they operate at it to me i think there's a there's so much gamble in that so honestly i'm not gonna say i'm gonna give me a mint green jealousy for the san for san francisco's front office because i do think they do a good job um okay so i'm slightly slightly jealous there but i really love our front office i, I mean so that's it's really even hard for me to say. Owner wise, I don't even know where to, what to say about this because I don't know. It's it's really hard to. I really think that Jerry Jones has done a a, a better job as far as how he runs the team. I used to, I, I used you could almost I would go jealous stream jealousy over anybody you know over Jones a long time ago. I just thought he was terrible, mm-hmm. um, but. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to say I'm, I'm chartreuse jealous of the 49ers owner simply because I want to say chartreuse. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's move on to the AFC teams, Kansas City and Cincinnati. Again, the same the same three categories, owner, front office, head coach. How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm emerald green jealous of, of Andy Reid. I, I, would, I would agree. I, I think I'm with you there, my friend. I think that guy's proven proven quite you know quite a bit that he's one of the best coaches in the league and you know it's just his second if not the best if not the best yeah it's yeah yeah it's absolutely you know amazing what he's done both even in his time in philly too even though they didn't win a super bowl mm-hmm. there very strong teams that he hey had. listen those philadelphia teams in the early 2000s were much better than the teams in 2017 of this year uh, they just they were they were just they were so good and they just didn't get they got unlucky they happened to run against right you know, they no, absolutely to run up against teams that, that matched up well or they had a bad day yeah and are you jealous in any other areas uh, for these AFC teams 
I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about the ownership of the other teams. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the fact that the Andy Reid gets to kind of run the show pretty pretty good. Um, I, I'm gonna say so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that I'm you know Celadon jealous of Kansas City's owner because you know he uh, <laughs> that, that goes in the owner spot by the way. Just uh, oh my bad yeah yeah. Um, huh? But I, I will say this of the other general uh, of the front offices. I'm gonna say no to, to anything else. I, I honestly, I, I you know I don't see a lot of what those teams are doing as far as any brilliant GM moves. Um, you know, since he did, I, I will say last year they did a pretty good job. Between, of course, they had a couple of drafts where they drafted really high and got you know Burrow and Chase. Um, mm-hmm. But and they but they did do a good job in free agency the year before last. And uh, Kansas City, they just seem to like. I don't know. I, I don't know how they do it, but they just seem to. Well, I do know how they do it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as players and stuff, I mean, they don't. I I feel like they they do a lot with with not as much in certain areas of the team, and so I don't know if that's how. Do, I don't know what to make of that. If that's just me not being able to properly, you know appreciate what the chief's front office mm-hmm. does or if it's that they just don't do a whole lot. So that's how I, that's, there's my shades of jealousy for those areas. So I, I'm pretty much in alignment with you. I, the one area where I do, I do feel more jealousy and I feel, I feel like, I, I mean, maybe let's just call it Kelly green because that's the Eagles colors. I, I'm jealous of the Eagles front office. And there's a couple things about that that I kind of wanted to talk about. One of which is Howie Roseman does I mean I think he's a he's a, just the weirdest dude, uh, but he he does a really good job of getting value out of trades. Yeah. And, I mean I don't know how he does it again and again and again he wins trades and I don't know why I don't know how he manages to do it because he seems like a fairly loathsome weird weird little hobbit of a dude, and uh, but for the other other GMs continue to, to to do what they used to do with Belichick right which is just to con- let the let the Eagles win again and again and again, whether it's draft day trades, whether it's trades for players. The other thing that I actually think this team, this Eagles team is much, much better than the Eagles team in 2017. I thought that team really, I mean, just hit one of the all-time lucky streaks. And one of the areas where they got lucky then was they took chances on a lot of veteran guys that they almost, they, they kind of had no other choice because they were in a terrible cap situation. Their roster was decimated after the, the Chip Kelly years. Mm-hmm. And and the only way he could feel the team was to take a chance on a bunch of guys like Jay Ajayi who were injured yeah. or didn't get along you didn't get along in their former place and so they spent a lot of like third day picks on veterans and every single one of them panned out the dude rolled double sixes and that's unprecedented usually about half those guys will you, you realize why they were kicked out uh, or you know not welcomed back by their original team because they're either washed up or they're a locker room. Uh, problem or something and every single one of those guys like had a career year that was incredible and so so that one that this one however this year i mean i think the eagles are built to to i mean i I looked at their roster and looked at what they have in the draft coming up and um for years the eagles drafted poorly they've been drafting pretty well the last few years they've they've been a lot better in the early rounds the last couple years and they have a bunch of they have a bunch of draft capital coming up they jerry jones couldn't have been more wrong when he said that they shot the moon for one for one championship they are built to last 
And they're, the Cowboys are going to have to do something drastic if they're going to catch them uh, for the next three or four years because they're just um, – they've got, they've got reinforcements on the way, and they're already at least as good, if not better, than the Cowboys. So Yeah. That, but... I, I think the other – so I want to go back and just talk about a little bit of history here when we talk about the Eagles because I think there's something that happened, and I think the person who gets credit for this is Joe Banner, who was their GM before Howie Roseman. When Jeff Lurie first came in, he was the one who was responsible for how, for hiring Andy Reid. And he, he did a lot of analytic stuff, and he instituted several things. And one of the things he instituted was a system where the, their head coach is always going to be an offensive mind who's a cutting-edge offensive mind. So if you think about every coach they've had since – since that time, we've had Andy Reid, we've had Chip Kelly, we had um, uh, uh, who's the guy in Jack? Who's in Jacksonville now? Peterson. Um, Doug Peterson. Thank you, Doug Peterson. And now, and now we've got Sirianni. Each of them ha- is a pass-first guy who has a lot of really interesting ideas, and they have they run some really interesting concepts, and they and, and they run as a way to keep defenses honest. But they're pass-first teams, and um, and I know I know I know that. You know, last year this, the the Eagles ran a lot early, but they started to pass late, and they continue on it. And so, I think philosophically, uh, Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie do a really good job because they they continue to bring in head coaches that are that are good offensive minds. Look what we just look what we just had had happen with Kellen Moore. We lost an offensive coordinator. The beautiful part about hiring an offensive head coach is you never lose your offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So the best way to set this up is to hire an offensive head coach and then get a defensive coordinator who you know um ideally it's a guy who's old and doesn't want to become a head coach so that you have continuity but uh offense wins games offensive consistency wins games defense fluctuates from year to year the smartest way to go about this is hire a young uh, cutting edge developing offensive mind or a guy like andy Reid who continues to be a cutting edge guy even though he's an older guy continues to build and come up with new things every year and, and and then and then that ends up becoming the sort of way you approach things and the cowboys have been behind the eight ball in that regard for a long time uh and yeah jason garrett was an offensive guy mike mccarthy's an offensive guy but they but they're but there's, there's also like they're losing offensive brain trust those guys have not been the offensive coordinator. We'll see this year. Uh, whereas I think the Eagles head coach is almost always the de facto offensive coordinator. I think it makes a difference. It's a smart way to go about it. And the Eagles have done that for 20 years now. And I think it's really, I think it's an advantage that they've continued to have over the Cowboys for those two decades. Yeah. No. So speaking of offense, so speaking of offense, my friend, I know we need to move on. Let's, let's actually shift, uh, if we can, shift our focus to, the offensive side of the ball. So we can talk more about the offensive coordinator, um, but we've got four categories here. Okay. So we've got offensive coordinator, we have offensive line and offensive line coach. I think that that's actually, the more I think about team building, the more I think if you can have a good offensive line coach, you can do a lot of things and hide a lot of weaknesses. And then we have, of course, quarterback. And then we've got the offensive skill positions as a, as a kind of group. So uh, let's again, we'll start, let's start with the AFC this time. Um, offensive coordinator, OL or OL coach, or that combination, quarterback, offensive skill guys. Where, where, where are you jealous and how jealous are you? So I'm going to start with Shamrock Green, jealous of Kansas City's quarterback. I'm shocked, my friend. I'm shocked. Yeah. I never would have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will say that I do have a lot of confidence in Dak Prescott, and I think that he is 
no worse than a tier below, you know, Mahomes. And I think they're the elite quarterbacks, and then those those that are really good. And, and to me, Prescott's in that really good category. So, I, I I love my quarterback, but I mean, I still I'm not going to um, I'm not going to look past the fact that the Chiefs have it really good with with Patrick Mahomes. Um, that's really the only only spot with the quarterback, though. I'm not I'm not envious at all of anything else there. I am envious of the 49ers. Actually, both over oh, in the AFC. Gosh. Um. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think that I'll finish things off with the with AFC, uh, really the only other thing I'm jealous of, and I'm going to say, I'm going to go chartreuse again because I don't want to dog on the Cowboys receiving group too much because I think it's a work in progress, but the Bengals um, skill players, and in particular their receiving group, uh, they, they got three really good receivers. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, People know about Jamar Chase and, and, and T. Higgins, but uh, you know Tyler Boyd's a good number three you know, so um, I'm definitely I'm I am envious there. I do think the Cowboys have a they are on track to find themselves in a situation where they could be equally uh, good. Uh, we get a healthy Gallup and Ceedee Lamb to me is 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 a star in this league. But um, that's probably it on the AFC side. So moving over to. So let me let me ask you a question. You don't have any jealousy about, over Joe Burrow? No, I think Joe's in the same category as Dak, to me. Okay. I think they're, right. I think he's in the. I mean, keep in mind that Joe is still he's trending. So I mean, it's he's he's right, upward right. trending. So that you could ask me this question next year, and um, I, I may answer it differently. Uh, but, but so no, I, to me, fair I, enough. Okay. So let's yeah. So let's shift to the to the NFC. So. Again, offensive coordinator, offensive line slash OL coach, quarterback, and then the offensive skill group. I want to give credit to both of the NFC teams and what they do in the trenches on the offensive line because both of them are phenomenal. One, I mean, I would if I had to guess, and I, of course I don't know. I would say that, um, and I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a good. You know what? I'm going to give it a good emerald. Both both of these are going to be emerald because what they do. On, on so that's the line. most jealous color, everybody. Yeah, it is the most jealous color. It's it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty, it's eagle green there. It's when they're wearing their darks. Uh, so, oh, so gross. It is gross. Huh? But I'll tell you, 
their offensive line is there is, is such a B to me. I, and, I, and I will think that it's, I, I give the Eagles the, the, the credit for the, the talent of players, not to say that the coaches don't have a role because they most definitely do. But to me, I just, I just think that they have, I think that I'm most jealous of their talent, but San Francisco, I'm most jealous of the way that those guys are coached and, and how they execute. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and of course, that's not limited to the offensive line. You got like Juice, uh, Kyle Juszczyk. Do you throw him in there too? As far as just like the the way that they they block too. So there's my jealousy is slightly different bit, um, among those teams, but I am definitely jealous of the offensive line um, in that area. Not jealous of the core. I mean, we don't even know what's going on with San Francisco. Um, Jalen Hurts. I'm not jealous of him. Good player, he had a good season. Uh, skill players, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not jealous. I think. I mean, I, I, no. I take that back. I'm. I'm mint green jealous of the Niners skill players because I mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. think. Um, I mean, they got some some really great players with you know uh, CMC and um, Debo and stuff. But I really like players like Brandon Ayuk. You know, I just think the what the how he contributes. Of course, you know George Kittle is a great player too. So I'm, I'm a little bit jealous there. Offensive coordinator, I'm. You know, I don't really. It's it's tough because I would say nothing at all if we still Kellen, but I don't really know what to expect with Mike McCarthy. So I mean, I could end up being a little a little bit to a lot jealous for, for offensive coordinator based on. How that plays out, so I don't know. So, of the of those next groupings, Rabs, that's where I'm at. So tell me, tell me where I, what I missed. I, I I have to say that I think for the most part you're in alignment with me. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll add a couple of things. One, actually, I think I'll add three things. One, I I would say I'm jealous of Joe Burrow. I think he might actually be better than Mahomes. I think that he does more with less than Mahomes does in terms of offensive line. I mean, he, he's the last couple of years, he's had a deep playoff run with an offensive line that was bad and or maimed at the same time and has managed to carry his team to the cusp of a championship both years. Uh, I mean, I, I actually thought I, I, my prediction was that he would be a bust. I, I thought he was just a, you know, really? Flat, flat, flat. I thought he was, a, he played for a loaded loaded LSU team. He was good though. He was good. He was good, but there's lots of guys. Vinny Testaverde was good. You know, I mean, there's lots of guys who were good in college. Uh, he just seemed like he was kind of a douche. I didn't think he, I didn't think he, but I was, I couldn't have been more wrong. Couldn't have been more wrong. He is incredible. And I, and I really honestly think that he may be better. He, he may be the one guy who can literally carry a team. We've seen, we've seen what happens when the Holmes' offensive line is beat up. We saw that in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Couldn't do anything. Um, you know, really, really struggled. Yeah, Burrow may be the one guy. I mean, he's lucky. He has, as you said, he, he. I think he has terrific offensive skill players. I agree. I'm jealous of those guys. Um, I will also say that I'm jealous of Kansas City's offensive line, and I'm jealous of it because they have the highest pass block win rate in the league. Mm. I think that they're really well coached, and I think that they they do a good job where it matters most, which is um, they give Mahomes some time, uh, and, and they and they they win their they win their one on one battles. I will also say that even whether we have whether we have Kellen Moore or not, I I think that I'm a I have uh, any, jealousy anywhere from mint to emerald about the various offensive brain trusts these teams have. I think there's a there's a pattern developing here, which is that the best teams, at least this year, but I think in general, 
the place where I, lo- I look at the Cowboys and think the Cowboys fall short is in a kind of integrated system where they use a lot of deception and things like that. And, and they can, re- they rely on scheme. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of, there's a kind of, there's a way in which so many of the plays are the same that they can practice the same concepts over and over. So they become really, really good at them. And, and they, they they do a better job than, than we've seen the Cowboys do of scheming their guys open. I mean, how many times have you seen the 49ers, you know, there's a, a mediocre quarterback that throws to a dude who's open by 10 yards on all sides. Mm-hmm. It just happens again and again. And I, I, I can't, I mean, yes, they have some good skill players, but I just feel like there's something about the way the scheme operates that creates gaps, creates misdirection. And I think that Kellen can do that against teams that are less disciplined, but against disciplined teams, he really struggles to do it. And I think the best teams are able to do that against anybody. Or they're, or they're just so talented, they can just beat them one-on-one. And, and so the other area that I'll say uh, is I've just no, I just noted that I'm, I'm jealous of, of Kansas City's um, offensive line and offensive line coach. And I will say that uh, I think the, the place where the, the, the Eagles have the greatest advantage over the Cowboys is in Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach. I don't think they're a particularly – this is where I'll disagree with you. I don't think they're a particularly talented group. I think actually there's some real there's, – there's some guys who are basically Connor McGovern's. I think that they are one of the best – coached groups year in and year out. And, and I'll, I'll say another thing that I think that um, where I'm jealous about the, the Eagles front office and some of these other front offices too, the, the 49ers as well is the premium they place on offensive and defensive line play. I think Jerry Jones loves his flashy skill position guys. He loves his cornerbacks who make interceptions. He loves his, you know, he loves all the, all those guys and he doesn't like, there's not an institutional or organizational philosophy to put a premium on offensive and defensive line play. If they have, if they have a good pass rush, that's great. But they like the Eagles will draft an offensive and defensive lineman every year. They're always trying to get better. They're always trying to get deeper. And and I think that, um, and, and they're always trying to find a, a, an offensive or defensive line coach for the most part, who is at the top of the field, who's expert because they understand that's where you win and lose games. And that was something that Joe Banner and, and Andy Reed, who's a big dude, uh, always has been. You've seen the punt, pass, and kick from you know from when he was twelve. He's always he's always valued that, and I think it's become a kind of institutional philosophy. And the result is that that you know there are many years where the Eagles whip the Cowboys on the line, even though the Cowboys have better skill players. And I think that Jeff Stoutland is the difference, the the single difference maker in the NFC East. And until the Cowboys can get can close that gap, and hopefully they will with with Mike Soliari, um the Eagles are going to have a significant and, and very important uh, advantage. Yeah, I will. But otherwise, I, otherwise, I would say that I'm, I'm really strongly in line with you. I, it's really, to me, it's about Burrow and it's about um, the Kansas City offensive line. Otherwise, I, what you what you marked was exactly what I marked. I, I totally agree. Yeah, you made some great, great points there, too. So, yeah, the, very convincing. I, I will say this, though. The Cowboys, they did draft one of the best offensive linemen in the, in the league last year. So, I mean, that's... I think no, no question. No, I, I think the Cowboys have every bit as much talent at offensive line as the Eagles do, but the Eagles offensive line plays better as a group. And I think that the way they play is more integrated into the offense in both its off is both its running and passing schemes in a way that the Cowboys are not. Yeah. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys, we, I've talked about this many times. I think I, I love Kellen Moore. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. I think that he's, his system is a collection of interesting plays 
but it's not a it's not a system it's not a scheme in the same way where everything looks the same and, and you're and you're 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 setting um you're setting up a big play in the third in the third quarter by running something in the first quarter that looks exactly the same and and, and by extension simplifying it for your offense and your offensive line because um play action looks just like just looks just like the run you know and, and you're running a lot of play action you're running a lot of similar similar concepts and and there's a lot of um you know, a lot of motions look the same and, and things like that, but you're doing a lot of different things from them. At any rate, let's let's move on to the to the group that is supposed to stop all that, and that's the the defensive, um, the various defensive meeting rooms and defensive uh, uh, brain trusts for these teams. So we'll go back to start starting this time with the NFC, and we've got three categories here. I've got basically got the defensive coordinator, and then I've broken it up into the front seven and the back seven. I realized I totally realized that. Uh, that means the linebackers are part of both. Mm-hmm. But I really think that that's kind of the way the defense works, right? You've got a front seven, you've got a back seven. That's why being a linebacker in the NFL is so hard. So uh, areas uh, on either Philadelphia or San Francisco where you're feeling a little jealousy about any of these any of these um, three categories. Well, first off, I'll just say that I don't really have a lot of insight on the, the defensive groups of the AFC. So I'll, basically I'll limit my comments to the NFC side here. And I mean, with as far as defensive coordinator, I mean, it's hard to be jealous of anything when you have Dan Quinn, but you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I'm still going to, I'm still going to give a, a mint green jealousy to San Francisco. Um, of course, D'Amico's gone now, but um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, just basing that with him still there. I, I just think that they do such a fantastic job and they're just, they, uh, they seem, the thing that I love about San Francisco's defense is they just always seem to be in the right position. Um, situations, right, right position to make plays. Uh, I, I look at their group, and I don't think that they're overly talented in as far as extreme athleticism. But I do think that they're super savvy players, and they're always doing the right things, and they're always breaking at the right moments, and just mm-hmm. um, very sharp. So I'm, I'm going to give credit to San Francisco there. Uh, front seven, and you know what's weird? It's, it's really because of the linebackers why. I would say that I am jealous. I'm going to also go mint, and I'm I'm going to give both Philadelphia and San Francisco. I'm going to I'm going to be mint jealous of the front seven. And I'll tell you, I think the units are really close. I mean, I'm not jealous of like we you know we t- talked about last week when we were troubleshooting the defense. I mean, both of us love the the edge guys, um, so I, I'm not jealous of anybody in that in that regard. But when you take the the whole group as you know, as a whole, and you know, look at like San Francisco with Eric Armstead and just all the collection of, of players they have there. And, all, and their linebackers too, Fred Warner and Greenlaw, they're just really good contributors. And even, I, f- I forget Phillies, is it TJ Edwards, I want to say? Yeah, 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 who's really come on since he since he was like an undrafted free Yeah, agent. I mean, but he, he's always just making plays quietly. I mean, mm-hmm. I, like I couldn't even confidently remember his name, but he's just... You know, just a good player. And I think that, of course, Philly always has good players in the trenches. It doesn't matter who they got. And they just seem to get stronger. And, of course, if I if I remember correctly, we Jordan Davis didn't play this year, right? They're, Not they're, much. He, yeah, he had he was injured for the uh, sort of middle part of the season. But, so, I mean, he um, – so, I mean, the, the Eagles, to me, they just – they got they always have – just people that will beat you down in the trenches. And uh, so I'm mm-hmm. slightly, slightly jealous there. And then back seven, you know, I don't think so. I, 
I don't, you know, I look at, I think that they're good units. Or it's definitely like at San, San Francisco, you know, I think that they're, they're, they have solid players and they have all pro uh, safety in Talano Hufanga, who, you know, it's a great, fun, great find for them. Uh, but I honestly like the Cowboys, what they have. So no jealousy really there. And Eagles, I mean, they got two really good cornerbacks. Um, and so that's something I, I, uh, I think I'll probably have to give a little mint there just because, I mean, when you got Bradbury mm-hmm. and, and Slay as your outside corners, that's, it's really hard not to be jealous of that. So, I mean, no, I love Trayvon, um, but he's one guy and, uh, I do think that the Philadelphia, the, the, their defensive backs, um, collectively is their you know, I'll even tell you what. Let's just give that uh, Celadon because mm-hmm. uh, just too much meant for me. It's, it's you know, so that, that's my assessment of of jealousy for for that group. How about for the AFC teams, Kansas City and Cincinnati? I just don't know. I just don't know much about mm-hmm. the players. I mean, I, I can say specifically, I'm jealous of Chris Jones. Um, you know, I can. I can say that. That's the guy that jumps to mind for me, too. I'll tell you the other guy I'm jealous of, and that's the, the, the Bengals' defensive coordinator. I think he does a lot. I think he's actually a really good defensive mind. He does a lot with – there's not a lot of big-name guys on that defense, but they played really well, and they played really well down the stretch. And that's the guy named Lou Anarumo. I think he does a really nice job. I, I have some jealousy about him. But I'm not really – I mean, as you said it rightly, we've got Dan Quinn. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. I'm not jealous. So, basically, aside from that, I will say that – yeah, and Chris Jones. I will say that I'm totally in alignment with you. I, I'm, I'm not particularly jealous of Philadelphia's back seven, but um, I'm, def- I'm jealous of their defensive line. I don't, I'm not really jealous of their linebackers, but I, I think I, I'm jealous of their defensive line, particularly their defensive tackles. I think that, that they understand how important it is to get interior pressure and how um, a defensive tackle is a dynamic, you know, a dynamic defensive tackle can make a difference. I mean, they have built their defense around Fletcher Cox for years. Now that he's fading to the point where he's probably washed, Jordan Davis is, is going to come in and probably take that mantle. But they've got other guys like Hassan Ridgeway has come in for mm-hmm. He's really been playing well for them. Yeah. They just they, they always have a couple, three guys who are really strong at, at defensive presence, uh, as a defensive presence. But the, the, I think the unit that I'm most jealous of is the, is the 49ers front seven. That front seven is dynamic. They're fast. They can do a lot of things. They can... I mean, uh, the 49ers linebackers, when they, you know, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are incredible. And um, I mean, we talked, you know, we talked last week when we talked about the Cowboys defense, we talked about, you know, the, the potential for a dynamic duo between um, Leighton Vanderesh and Damone Clark. And I think that, you know, the idea is always, how can we get them to the place where they're playing like Fred Warner and like uh, Drake Greenlaw. And I'm frankly not sure that any of them are athletic enough to ever get quite that. Play. Damone Clark might, might have be able to unlock that because he's the, I think he may be faster than Micah Parsons. And um, so I think that until, until such time, I'm jealous of how much ground they can cover. I mean, we, we, we all remember, right? There was that play uh, in the, uh, in the divisional playoff game where Fred Warner tracked CD lamb down the, down the slot. You know, and I mean, he was able to run for him within stride for stride. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that that kind of versatility, that kind of playmaking, he's a big hitter. He's a dynamic player. Um, you know, this brings us back to what we said earlier, where you, you want you want guys in that in that middle layer of the defense who can both 
boost the front seven and the back seven. And not a lot of teams have that because that's really hard to find these days. And uh, the 49ers, I think, do have it. And I think it's the, really, really the key to their defense, other than the fact that they have a lot of a lot of talent on the defensive line. They've invested a lot on the defensive they line. They have, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of high draft picks that you know when they weren't when they weren't winning games, they were getting getting those high picks for sure. They're getting premium blue chip guys, and 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 it, I think a lot of a lot of uh, defensive linemen fell for them. I mean, I'll, I'll go I'll go to my grave saying that the Cowboys wanted or and probably would have picked a premium defensive lineman in the 2016 draft had there been one available, but there wasn't one. So they had they were stuck basically with a corner, and they they didn't know would would could play corner and a running back. I mean, just lost their their running back. But I I really feel like if there was like a a Miles Garrett type, which there usually is in most drafts. Yeah. They would have. They would have ended up with that guy because the quarterbacks went early. Yeah, we had a Joe, you know? Joey Bosa, but he went before them, and then a DeForest went right Buckner, them. Yeah. who went a little bit after too. That, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't think. I don't think they felt like either of those guys was the dynamic kind of. You know. Yeah. The sort of like prototype defensive end. They wanted. They were wrong about Bosa clearly, but I'm, I'm not sure that they felt like. I don't think they felt any like. Oh darn it! When he went off the board, they were they were perfectly fine with that. Right. So listen, in our analysis here, I've got one last thing for you. Right. What I want you to do is, is for each of these four teams, I want you to make some choices here. You can take one thing from each team. Okay. So here are the four, here are the four categories. And I think these are the four categories that ultimately are the, are the most impactful in terms of um, contributing to wins and losses, contributing to, to sustained success year on year. And that is uh, your general manager front office, your quarterback, your head coach, and then this is something that I'm introducing now because I'm, I've been doing some reading and I, I've been listening to some folks, and I really think that this is more true. And this, is, and then the next is your offensive line slash offensive line coach. Okay, so you've got four categories. You can take one from each of these players. Excuse me, from each of these final four um, NFC and NFC uh, championship game contenders. What are you taking from each of them? So I'm going to start with. Uh, crediting you with convincing me that Joe Burrow is the way to go at quarterback. Um, it wouldn't be if it wouldn't be if I could do multiple things, but uh, that is what I'm going to take to free up uh, Kansas City uh, for something else. But so Burrow is my quarterback. Okay. Um, so because he's my quarterback, because I want Andy Reid to be my head coach. So yes, sir. So I got those two. Let's just so there we go. AFC, you're done. Now I need a front office and an O-line. And also, uh, because of the lecture I got from you with with the Eagles offensive line coach, I am going to, <laughs> I am going to slide them in as my O-line coach, which leaves the 49ers to take on the front office GM role. So that is my list. So, I, I, I mean, this in some ways, the last one you filled out there was something you said you were a little bit jealous about was their ability to, to bring in talent. So I think that that is interesting because, you you know, it's, it, even though it was the last one you filled in, it, it, it did speak to something the way you were feeling like, you oh, I really wish we were more like them. I will say that I had the exact same four. And so, uh, and, and, you know, I, the reason I didn't pick Mahomes is because I wanted Reed, and I ultimately think that the head coach, I'd rather have a, I, I mean, if I had to choose between a head coach and a quarterback, I'm choosing a head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also because that was the one the one sort of blinking light that Cincinnati offered, and I don't think that there's a sig- significant drop off from Mahomes to Burrow. So yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think that had I had I 
the, the opportunity to choose one element from each of these teams. So, uh, so the Cowboys had that element. I think I would love to have a head, a head coach is as good as Andy Reid. I'd love to have a front office with as clear a plan as the, as the 49ers. I would love an offensive line and offensive line coach in particular um, that, I mean, if you think about it, look at their, look at their offensive line, Jordan Mailata didn't even play football. I mean, Lane Johnson was a premium pick. Jason Kelsey is a hundred years old. And, and honestly, people were saying like, I think around 2018 and he was done, he was going to retire. And now he's playing at an all pro level. Um, you know, Landon Dickerson came in. He's a, you know, he was a, he was a sort of undersized guy. He came in with some, with some skins on the wall as a college, as a collegian, but they've, they've, they've really turned him into a, a very strong left guard. And, um, they just they just do a really good job of of molding a bunch of guys into a really uh, tough physical unit, and I think that that makes a big difference, man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Those are those are the areas where I wish the Cowboys were better. And I will say one last thing for for in doing this exercise myself before I, ha- I ask you to do it. Um, to me, the place where the Cowboys really need to, to improve their game is in the relationship between. The ownership group and the and the, and the sort of larger philosophical approach, which is to which is to to um, prioritize passing, and, and it could be short passing, but whatever it is, prioritize passing. Draft offensive linemen that are good pass blockers. You run in passing situations just basically to keep the defense honest. Uh, you don't invest in in pieces in the running game. You invest in pieces in the passing game, and you hire offensive staff particularly your head coach who are innovative cutting edge people in the passing game that's where you win and the cowboys one thing about the joneses that continues to frustrate me is there's so many ways in which they there's sort of two pieces here one they live in the past they they cannot help but think of emmett smith and the great wall of dallas when they think about a winning team and the league has simply passed them by and then the other is um that I think they're a little wary of investing in somebody who is um, maybe hasn't shown it yet for another team, but, but, but uh, you know, like the people in the league circles, that was a really sharp guy. I mean, if you think about Nick Sirianni, who the hell was Nick Sirianni? Yeah. He was nobody. He was nobody. He was hired. Everybody laughed at the Eagles, mm-hmm. but they knew, they knew somehow that he was a guy who had, you know, they didn't know he was going to be, he was going to be good. or was going to lead them to, to what he's led them to this year. But I think that they, they knew that he, that he, that he had some of the characteristics that they want, even though he hadn't had the opportunity to show them yet. Yes. They'll take a chance on a guy like Jason Garrett or Kellen Moore, who's in house, but they never take chances on guys who are outside the, the organization to come into the organization and bring in new ideas. And so I, I think that those are, those are areas in which the Cowboys fall behind some of these teams who, who, who are in the final four this year. And they fall behind those teams because there are philosophical organizational failures that are persistent. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to leave on a, on a down note with all this jealousy that we've, you know, t- expressed in in today's <laughs> show. But I, be, but before we wrap things up, I did have one more thing I wanted to spring upon you because because the the season is now officially over and we are going to move on to the the future. I want to just 
to right out of the gate, you know, tell me, you know, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Just give me your gut. Who do you see playing in the Super Bowl next season? Just give me your your best prediction of what you think. Um, who's on the rise? Who takes the next step? Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Not who wins. For, just, the, two, for the 2023 season. For the next season, yes, correct. Who's going to be, what team from each of those conferences are going to represent? Represent that their group, and then make it to play in the Super Bowl. That's a really interesting question. Let's say uh, I'm going to say Detroit and Jacksonville. <laughs> How about you? Oh, is that your real answer? Yeah, yeah. Detroit and Jacksonville. I think the young teams are on the come. I, I'm always going to bet on that. I, I think it's foolhardy to bet on the teams that are there this year because there's so much turnover. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I like I like that you're thinking outside the box. I just didn't think you'd think that far outside the box. but no that's fine i'm gonna so i'm gonna go with one one returner and one now i'm gonna say san francisco's back in the game because i think that honestly what, what they dealt with with their quarterback was really brutal and i mean i think that we really ever we didn't get to see trey trey lance and i mean who they could be the this the the version of the eagles with you know with jalen hurts who knows with if, if they had him healthy we don't know i mean they were so good so I think, to me, I think that they're going to their quarterback play is going to be improved next year, and I think that's going to be a big difference maker. But another difference maker is I think an old friend of ours is going to come back and haunt us, and I think he's going to help um, the Chargers. Help the Chargers. I think we're going to see an all California Super Bowl, and and, and Kellen Moore will help Herbert. You know, just end up being one of the. If you're if you want some early fantasy advice, get um, take you know. Take Herbert because I think that he's going to put up some huge numbers because there's nobody he, he's going to get to do what he always wanted to do in Dallas and just really cut loose. So th- that's my it's Chargers and, and 49ers. I think it'd be a repeat of '94, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully it will be the uh, the it'll be, it'll be a high scoring one. Hopefully it'll be the the Chargers on the winning end this time around. But so anyway, that is that is my prediction. Um, you got anything else uh, that you want to? Get off your chest uh, before we just have a clean slate and and uh... no, I think I think that's it. I mean, I, I think this was an interesting exercise, and I'm ready to now um, sort of change uh, our focus to impending free agency. Right, so the off season's begun, man. We're we're done with the the season, um, and now it's time to now it's time to think about the next one. So the league year is going to start soon, and we're gonna we're gonna start getting ready for it. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Portugal, but. Uh... As for the Star Seminar, that is all we have for today. Uh, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, you have any Super Bowl predictions, or hit, just let us know what your favorite opening to a movie is. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFanum24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that is all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue, and we will catch you later. Blast dismissed.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.